What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob, hanging out, talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, my man? Not much, man. Happy Memorial Day to everyone out there. Hope everyone's barbecuing and enjoying some nice weather. And of course, most people not working on Monday. It's always great to have a three-day weekend, especially when the Cavs are about to play in the NBA Finals. Yeah, This week can't get much better, Bob. No, it, it certainly cannot. It's going to be a really exciting week, um, especially down here. We got Nashville Predators in the Stanley Cup, and I have my hometown Cleveland Cavaliers in, in the NBA Finals. It's going to be a, a stressful two weeks of sports down here for me. Matt, Nashville, though, going from 8 seed to the Stanley Cup, knocking off Chicago, now has a chance to knock off the defending champs. Pretty amazing season for the Predators as well. Yeah, quite the storyline. Um, yep, yeah, pre- pretty excited about that. But we uh, that's just my personal, uh, what I'm going to be doing. We, we are not going to talk uh, Stanley Cup here. We are obviously going to talk all about NBA Finals, rubber match, Cavs-Warriors, round three. Uh, Chris, obviously th- these two teams have met in the, in the previous two NBA Finals. The Warriors took the first round. Cavs coming back from that 3-1 deficit finally broke the Cleveland championship drought uh, last year. You know, th- these two teams seem destined to meet uh, in for a third straight NBA Finals pretty much once Kevin Durant announced that he was going to uh, Golden State. These two teams were the favorite from that moment forward. We got it, uh, and, and both these teams have, have cruised through their respective conferences uh, Golden State sweeping all three rounds, Cleveland only losing one game. So obviously on a collision course, uh, stakes could not be higher. Legacies are on the line for a lot of these guys. Um, what's on the line for both of these teams and then for uh, some of those particular star uh, individual players? Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about the individual matchups here, but but as far as the two teams go, Bob, this is pretty amazing to have two teams meet in three consecutive finals of any sport. You know, not not just the NBA. We're talking, you know, World Series, Super Bowl, Stanley Cup, whatever. This is a pretty special moment. This does not happen very often, especially in the age of free agency. So, from a historical standpoint, it kind of makes the ho-hum lackluster regular season and postseason journey worth it that these two teams made it had either of them lost beforehand I think it would have been a disaster of a season for the NBA because now at least okay we've known these two teams have been juggernauts the whole year we've watched Cleveland kind of punt the regular season we've watched Golden State go undefeated in the postseason in what is viewed as as a tougher conference so if these two teams didn't make it, I think a lot of people would have been disappointed because that seven and a half months wouldn't have been worth it. But to answer your question, what's on the line? It's very simple. Whoever wins this gets the bragging rights. Cleveland has one. Golden State has one. You can argue about Draymond Green missing game five. You can argue about Kevin Love and Kyrie missing 2015. Bottom line is the tally's one to one. This year is round three, and whichever team wins this title is going to have bragging rights over the other one, period, end of story. It is the culmination of what has been the rivalry in the NBA for the last three seasons. Yeah, this has been the marquee matchup um, 
ever since the end of that 2015 final. So for two straight seasons, these two teams have been head and shoulders above all the other competition and have, you know, anytime they get together, it's, you know, sparks are going to fly. Everyone's going to tune in. um, And and these are tentpole games. So uh, yeah, definitely bragging rights are on the line, but also, you know, whoever wins this, this round uh, of this finals battle um, can claim that, you know, the past three years is the era of that team. Um, you know, the Warriors, uh, you know, you know, Le- LeBron uh, has dominated the Eastern Conference for, for seven years now. Um, but, you know, he, he's almost around 500 in the NBA finals. The Warriors can really establish themselves as the dynasty of, you know, the later half of this decade if they win this game. LeBron obviously chasing, you know, the ghosts of, of legends and their title uh, aspirations. You know, he can add to that uh, tally if he gets this finals championship. But um, a lot more than just bragging rights, there there are legacies on the line as well. I mean, you know, Steph and Kevin Durant as well. Um, if they win this title, they, they will start to you know, accumulate their trophies and uh, accumulate their status uh, among the all-time greats. Um individually storylines in terms of legacy what 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 are you looking for there well you gotta start with the guy with the most rings lebron james he has three championships we all know who he's chasing he's chasing michael jordan who has six um he has three rings in his previous seven appearances he's trying to even up his record at four and four um he's trying to win two straight for the second time in his career and once again position himself to chase that coveted three-peat that Jordan and Kobe and so many other greats have. I feel like if you can say the words three-peat with someone, you, you've, you've done something pretty special. And that's certainly, you know, maybe looking a year out, but, but you got to win two before you can win three in a row. So if he were to do that personally, it would set himself up for a three-peat, something he's never done. And it would also keep it in the realistic possibility that he could get six rings because if the Cavs lose this year, LeBron's going to be 32. I I think it would be a stretch to say he's got three more championships in him after this. So I think it's paramount that if he wants to get to six, he really has to make the most of every finals opportunity he has because sooner or later I know Bob he looks superhuman and it's inconceivable to think that he's not going to play at a high level but one of these days time is going to catch up to him and and he might not and he's not going to be playing at the level he is right now so so he's got to make the most of this and get that fourth ring while the opportunity is in front of him and and then the, the pressure is on Kevin Durant uh, Kevin Durant left a team that was up 3-1 against Golden State last year to join this team for one reason, to win a ring. I mean, you don't go to a 73-win team when you're the alpha dog of another team and the second best player in the NBA to do anything less than win the championship. Kevin Durant does not have a ring. It's kind of insane that Kevin Durant is one of the few people in the NBA Finals who doesn't have a ring, but it's true. He's arguably one of the most talented players on the court. He has not won a championship yet. He has been in LeBron James's shadow ever since he got drafted, always the second best player in the NBA in the LeBron era. He absolutely needs this more than 
anyone else on the floor for his legacy because if the Golden State Warriors lose, he is probably going to take the brunt of that loss. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, it might not take the the brunt of the blame, but certainly all of the uh, talk and negative talk uh, of the Warriors will, will go towards Kevin Durant uh, for all those reasons. Um, yeah, uh, legacy huge for 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 all these guys involved. Um, but let's talk about some of these individual matchups. Uh, we you mentioned a little bit LeBron versus Durant. Um, you know, we're gonna have Irving versus Curry, Kevin Love versus Draymond Green, Chris. We have star-studded starting lineups on both sides uh you know i was just thinking the previous five mvp winners are, are playing in this game you know between steph lebron and kevin durant they, they've owned that category um what break down those starting matchups uh what's the most intriguing one I think the most intriguing one is Kyrie Irving versus Steph Curry because it goes back to 2016. You know, Steph Curry was about to become the man. Up 3-1, 73 win season, back-to-back MVP, and probable back-to-back champion. And then Kyrie Irving goes like, no, 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 not yet. And and the Cleveland Cavaliers really exposed Kyrie, or excuse me, Steph Curry's defense in those last three games. First off, Kyrie Irving had a phenomenal 2016 NBA Finals, averaging 27.1 points per game. But in the last three games, 41 points, 23 points, 26 points in Game 7. And we all know the famous shot over Steph Curry that ultimately gave the Cavs the lead for good. LeBron James iced the game with the free throw, but it was Irving's shot that was the dagger ultimately, and it came right over Steph Curry. And the way Steph Curry kind of, I don't want to say melted down, but he definitely in game six got unraveled, throwing his mouthpiece, things like that. Those last three games were not fun for Steph Curry, and they were amazing for Kyrie Irving. So it'll be interesting to see that matchup carry over into 2017. Can the Cavs play run an offense that switches Steph Curry onto Kyrie Irving regularly, and can Kyrie Irving take advantage of Steph Curry like he did in 2016? I think that that is going to be an epic matchup, and it's certainly going to have some edge to it because there's no doubt in my mind Steph Curry's looking for some revenge. Oh, for sure. Uh, he definitely had some embarrassing moments in, in that finals uh, last year. Um, and if you go back to 2015, he had moments where he disappeared and struggled as well, uh, even when Kyrie was out. And, you know, blame that on Matthew Dellavedova's defense or him just struggling mentally and physically. Um, he, he definitely had his moments where he was not. Uh, you know, an MVP player in both of those previous finals. So he he certainly has a lot to prove. Um, for whatever reason, in the postseason, I, I I do think Kyrie Irving has has an edge on him, uh, be it mentally or just. I mean, I think part of it is mental, uh, but a large part of it is Kyrie's game, where he can break down anybody off the dribble in isolation, and then when you put it alongside of that LeBron James pick and roll uh, that they play together so well. Um, it, it's it really highlights, as you said, some of Steph Curry's limitations as a defender. So that 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 that'll be at the forefront. I think that that will, you know, if Steph and, and Kevin Durant simultaneously play at their MVP levels, uh, it, it's going to be really tough for Cleveland. Um, if Kyrie is able to fluster Steph Curry enough uh, 
with Kyrie's offensive game and then stay in front of him just enough to prevent him from being uh, his dominant three-point shooting self, I think that will be one of the deciding matchups uh, in favor of the Cavs. Um, but obviously, let's look at you know Kevin Durant versus LeBron James. Uh, you know, the, a lot of similarities and, and comparisons between these two. Kevin Durant often looked as uh, the foil to LeBron James during LeBron James's dominance. Um, statistically, in this postseason, they're averaging pretty much pr- very similar numbers. LeBron ha- has the edge in assists and, and points per game, and even field goal percentage. I mean, well, it's just LeBron. He's absolutely dominating but Kevin Durant is right there behind him um you know like you said he's the newcomer to this series how do you think that this matchup is going to play out on the court again more pressure on Kevin Durant I mean LeBron James has historically owned Kevin Durant he's only lost to Kevin Durant four or five times throughout his career the last time these two met in the NBA finals uh it was extremely one-sided you know Golden State or excuse me not Golden State Oklahoma City one game one and then the Miami Heat went on to win the next four now Kevin Durant played well in those NBA finals he averaged 30 points per game and about six rebounds per game and Kevin Durant is still going to play well but make no mistake whenever he gets on the same floor with LeBron James LeBron James has had the edge over him and it really hasn't even been close throughout the career so so it just goes to show that they I think I mean we said it earlier Kevin Durant has more pressure on him than anyone else in this series. He doesn't have a championship. He is a championship-level talent. He joined this team, and LeBron James has been his ghost, both sort of overall in the overall player rankings, in the legacy rankings, and on the court. So Kevin Durant in this matchup is going to have to step up big time. It's going to be tough because it's LeBron James. We're not asking Kevin Durant to lock him down because I don't think that anyone can lock down LeBron, but he's going to have to match him point for point, and that is certainly something Kevin Durant is capable of doing with his deep offensive skill set. Um, so that it's going to be extremely intriguing to see. You know, just You've got the two best players on the court and the two best players in the league, and they play the same position. So obviously that matchup is going to be exceptionally fun to watch. So uh, do, do you not think Draymond Green is going to switch over and, and defend LeBron for the majority of the series? I mean, he might, certainly. I, I, I could definitely see them switching over Draymond Green and hiding Kevin Durant on, on Kevin Love. But from the same token, I, I think that that might be a plus matchup for Kevin Love on the rebounds. So I, I don't know if, uh, if that's something they'll do regularly, but it, it will be intriguing to watch that development, yes. Yeah, I have a feeling that that's where they're going to go with it. Obviously, um, adjustments will be made a lot during this series because I think it's going to drag out, and you know, it's going to be wildly different games late in the later games than that initial game one. But I think we're going to see a lot of Draymond versus LeBron, just because of Draymond's defensive abilities, and you know, Kevin Durant is exactly known for being uh, a stalwart defender. Um, but mentioning uh, Draymond Green, and then we talked a little bit about Kevin Love uh, at the power forward position. Um, the, you know, Irving and Curry, kind of similar skill set. Durant and LeBron, very similar skill set. Now we're getting a little bit different and, and highlighting the uh, intricacies of, of both these teams when we talk about Kevin Love versus Draymond Green, uh, both providing two very different skill sets uh, to their team, uh, but also very integral. Uh, who, who wins out in, in this matchup? 
Well, last year it was Draymond Green overwhelmingly. I mean, Kevin Love had an NBA Finals to forget, concussed in Game 3, only averaged 7.3 points, 5.9 rebounds, though he did have 14 rebounds in the decisive Game 7. And I do believe he also stepped up in other ways, helping the Cavs, even though he wasn't a focal point of their game plan after Game 4 with that concussion and just realizing that him on the floor wasn't competing with the Warriors' smaller lineup. And I think that was a bigger factor. So it'll be interesting to see if Kevin Love's Boston Celtics series self will show up because he averaged 22.6 points, 12.4 rebounds, and shot 53.5% from three-point. So, Bob, let's just say one thing. If Kevin Love shoots 45% from three in this series, that is going to drastically change the way Golden State guards him because if he can get going from the outside, that is certainly going to change the way Golden State views him and defends him. It will pull a defender away from the hoop and open things up. So I actually think Kevin Love, he might not be as featured as much as he was against Boston because this is a much different kind of matchup for him but if he can continue to shoot from the outside he'll put the pressure on the defense to defend him away from the hoop and if he can rebound the way he all he can always fall back on his elite rebounding skills so if he can continue to post good numbers on the glass and he and Tristan Thompson wreak havoc on the glass and put pressure on Golden State when they try to go small I think that's how Kevin Love's going to impact this series. I, I would be surprised if he averaged, you know, in the 20s. I, I think more his Toronto and Indiana numbers, the 12 to 15 range is where he'll be points-wise. But if he can rebound well and keep the defense guarding him away from the hoop, he will have a, a huge impact on this series because it will change the entire – it will change the way Golden State uh, tries to play small and defends the Cavs on defense. Yeah, were the Cavs to, to lose last year's series, obviously down 3-1, they came really close. Uh, I think Kevin Love would have uh, near been run out of town uh, just from the way he disappeared in those NBA finals. Um, this year, though, you know, compared to the, the previous two postseasons, the only two postseasons Love has played in, um, and obviously that, that first one uh, only limited to, to four games, um, by all metrics, he's having the best postseason of his career uh, in terms of points, rebounding, uh, per shooting percentage, uh, field overall, and three-point percentage. Uh, he, he's having the best postseason uh, of his career. And I think he had the best season as a Cavalier this year and, and really seemed just more confident and less uh, – he, he was less worried about the pressure, it, it seemed, and was just able to go about his business. And, and so I think we're going to see uh, a much more involved, different Kevin Love in this series now. I agree with you. The Warriors, when they go small, when Draymond Green is out there, uh, that limits what you're able to do with Kevin Love. But uh, he's been so good in this postseason and has been featured a lot more in general this this entire season that I, I do think Kevin Love will step up and 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 contribute uh, in a much more meaningful way than than what he did in, la in the last Finals. Uh, he's the only guy on either side averaging a double double uh in rebounds and points actually the only guy in double digits in rebounds on either side in the postseason so yeah uh his rebounding skills uh have never looked better and, and will certainly help give that an edge to the Cavs um so we talked about you know the Cavs big three uh we talked about three of the Warriors big four uh Clay Thompson being the obvious uh fourth guy 
that, that we have not talked about. Um, Chris, are, do you consider Tristan Thompson, who uh, is the only other Cavalier in the postseason to average more than 30 minutes a game, to be uh, a part of a big four uh, with the big three in Cleveland? It's close. I, I think he is just as important to Cleveland's success as any of the big three. Um, you looked at him last year in the NBA Finals. He averaged a double-double, had numerous games, which is monster numbers. He had 15 rebounds in Game 5, 16 rebounds in Game 6. So he was very big. Wasn't as big in Game 7, but as I said before, Kevin Love had a big rebounding game, and it was very dominant by Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. Oh, excuse me, LeBron James. Uh, last series against Boston, though, I felt like Tristan Thompson really stepped his game up, uh, especially from the free throw line, shooting 72% from free throw. Uh, one game he went 12 of 15, uh, averaged 11 points, 7.2 rebounds, was, was a, a havoc on the glass against Boston. And Tristan Thompson is the perfect guy to punish teams like Golden State when they try to go small. If you're playing a team like Golden State who likes to run, likes to go small, Tristan Thompson is the best kryptonite for that because he is the guy who is a tall athletic big man who's not going to be like a sort of Andrew Bogut or Timothy Mozgov kind of big guy who's going to slow you down when you're trying to match up with a smaller team. No, he will punish you if you try to go small. And so I do think um, Tristan Thompson is going to have a huge, huge, huge uh, say in how this series goes. And I also think Clay Thompson will too because I think Golden, St- Golden State's clearly going to try to defend Kyrie Irving with Clay Thompson. There's no doubt about that. So Clay Thompson is going to have a huge job in this series on defense guarding Kyrie Irving. And so the Cavs are, are obviously going to try to do what they did in the last three games, switch it up, try to get Steph Curry on Irving. But if the Cavs fail, it will be in large part because uh, Trist, or excuse me, Clay Thompson will be able to you know run through screens and stay on his man and stay with Irving despite uh, whatever tricks Cleveland tries to pull out their sleeves. So both of these guys, even though they're not matched up against one another, are certainly going to have uh, a huge say in how this series goes. And I, I think Tristan Thompson is slowly making his case for a big four uh, as opposed to just a big three. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the the fourth most important piece of the the Cleveland Cavaliers roster. So if you want to say that's a big four, that's fine. I wouldn't include him in there just because the the quality and versatility of those other seven players that we've talked about on the Warriors and the Cavs, they can do more than just one or two things really well. They they are complete, well-rounded players at their position. Tristan Thompson is one of the best at rebounding uh, but he's very limited offensively and is a little bit undersized, uh, though that hasn't stopped him in certain situations. I just think that the quality of those other seven are, are, are far more better than, than what Tristan Thompson is. That's not to say he's integral or, or ta- not talented. He certainly is, and that rebounding skill, like you said, can can break the Warriors and tip the series towards the Cavs if he if he uh, continues to to get offensive rebounds like rebounds. Uh, like he has in this postseason and so I don't mean to disrespect him I just don't think I would consider him uh, in that vein as as those other seven players that we've talked about Um, but yeah I I think Tristan Thompson and Clay Thompson both uh, as you said will be integral pieces and uh, need to step up in their own ways to help uh, their their team win and might be a little bit unheralded as you know LeBron Durant Curry and Irving 
uh, get all the numbers and, and get the key plays. But uh, both of those guys need to play well for their team if, if they are going to win. Um, so we've covered four uh, of the, the five starters on, on both sides. Um, obviously, the, there's, there's a fifth starter on each J.R. Smith, the shooting guard for the Cavs. Uh, I guess you consider Zaza Pachulia the, the starter for, for the Warriors, the center. Andre Iguodala will be inserted pretty quickly, and they'll run with that for most of the second half uh, on the Warriors side. Um, you know, what do what does JR have to bring to the Cavs for them to win, and, and what uh, is, is Zaza or the, their rotation of centers going to bring for the Warriors? Yeah, well, the rotation of centers for the Warriors are, are going to try to keep Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love off the glass. That's going to be their primary job. And Zaza, I would imagine, will be matched up with Tristan Thompson. J.R. Smith, I would imagine, will be matched up with Clay Thompson for the most part, though you know, obviously things are going to switch around. This isn't just going to be a straight man-to-man, everyone guard everyone kind of thing. These two coaches, um, you know, Tyrone Liu and possibly Steve Kerr, uh, there's another angle. If Steve Kerr doesn't make his way back, it'll be Mike Brown, the former Cavs coach, coaching the Golden State Warriors. So there will be a lot of adjustments made throughout this series. But J.R. Smith, I mean, he needs to hit from three. I mean, his primary job is a three-point specialist, like we said with Kevin Love. If, if these two guys who, who can shoot at such a high clip for their positions are hitting, along with Kyle Korver off the bench, it just becomes that much harder to defend Cleveland. So so clearly, you know, J.R. Smith is going to have to hit his open looks because I would imagine that Golden State is going to dare him to beat them uh, and, and do everything they can to take LeBron Kyrie and Kevin Love away Uh, good luck taking all three away but they're certainly going to make it very hard for them to do it which means J.R. Smith is probably going to get his fair share of looks from downtown if he can hit them it keeps the Golden State defense a lot more honest and then Zaza has the tall task of keeping Tristan Thompson a relentless rebounder off the board limiting those second chance opportunities for Cleveland and, and and attempting to you know mitigate Oh, Tristan Thompson's relentlessness on the defensive glass. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, la- last year, uh, prior to the Durant uh, addition in the Warriors, uh, the Warriors were were, 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 were a deep team. Uh, they had to shed a little bit of that to, to bring on Kevin Durant. Um, and I think the Cavs uh, added some, some, some depth uh, on their bench this year. At least they have some, some really intriguing players that, that can step up at key moments. Um, who has the edge uh, in, in terms of the bench in this series? I actually think it's the Cavs this time around. I, I think when you look at the Cavs bench, you have Darren Williams coming off your bench at point guard. That That is unbelievable. I never thought I'd say those words for the Cleveland Cavaliers ever, just how good Darren Williams has been in his career. I know when he's not what he was nine years ago when he was right up there with Chris Paul as one of the best point guards in the league. But he showed flashes of that against Boston, and, and certainly he's going to play an important role in this series. Uh, you got Kyle Korver. I mean, you have J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver rotating in. It, it, it really is unbelievable the the depth of shooting the Cavs have. And, and we haven't even talked about you know guys like Iman Shumpert, who at times can play a critical role defensively and, 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 and along those lines. So I do think the Cleveland Cavaliers have the deeper bench this time around. I, I think the depth was one of Golden State's strengths, but they have shed a lot of guys who were very important on their last two championship runs, uh, specifically Andrew Bogut and Harrison Barnes. Barnes was actually a starter um, to get Kevin Durant. Now, Zaza Pachulia has helped 
fill out that depth a little bit. And they still have some of their other guys. I'm not trying to say that they're not a deep team. But I do think slight edge to Cleveland as far as depth goes this time around. Yeah, I, I think the Warriors uh, still have a, a solid bench. Uh, Sean Livingston, you know, last year in the finals shredded the Cavs in, in game one. And he's still their, their backup point guard and, and is, a, is a fine backup point guard uh, and you know, bring some some size uh, advantages. I think he's like six seven playing point guard. Um, and they got David West and JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee, you know, kind of reinvented his career this year and has been a serviceable role player. Um, so the Warriors, I don't think they have to worry about their bench. And obviously they're going to play, uh, you know, that starting five plus Andre, or that big four plus Andre Iguodala for over 30 minutes a game. So they don't have to worry too much uh, about relying on their bench. Um, it, but on the f- other side with the Cavs, the Cavs have assembled a bench where and any given night, one of those guys has a large potential to step up and be an impactful player, be it Kyle Korver hitting you know a bunch of three-point shots in, in the course of a quarter, uh, Channing Frye, who's done that before, uh, Mon Shumpert playing, you know, using his, his athleticism and defense, or as you said, Darren Williams, who has only improved game over game since coming to Cleveland. He shedded weight. Uh, he's uh, regained his three-point shooting stroke and had a fantastic series uh, backing up Kyrie uh, in Boston. So between those four, I think there's always a potential for one of those guys to step up and kind of turn back the clock to when they were you know, stars or, or up-and-coming players where they were had a more integral role on, on their former team and show us, you know, remind us of what kind of player they used to be I think the Cavs that's an x factor and I think we will see at some point one of those guys step up big and and have a a very key moment uh, be it from some sharp shooting from Kyle Korver or some quality minutes from Darren Williams I think the Cavs do have an edge on the bench this year uh, something that they didn't have over the past two years and we didn't even mention last year's x factor Richard Jefferson still on this team he being inserted into that you know rotation starting lineup for Kevin Love when he was injured changed the series and and honestly it it, it was kind of like the year before when they put in Andre Iguodala the Warriors did kind of change the series I, he's still on this team and he frustrated the Warriors last year gave the Cavs a lot of really good minutes counteracting that small lineup they still have that in their back pocket as well so so we just listed off about five guys on the bench for Cleveland that have the potential to be X-Factors. And I do like Channing Frye in this series, too. He's another kind of big that you want if you're facing that run-and-gun team because he can do just that. He's a big who can shoot and help loosen up that defense. So the, the Cavs can go really deep, but I do agree with you, Bob. The Warriors may not need to go deep because in the finals you can up everyone's minutes and you know rely on, 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 on the top you know end of your roster. Yeah, certainly. Well, we previewed just about every player that that's going to see some playing time uh, in this NBA Finals. But you know, a couple of questions uh, overall uh, about this series. You know, this is the third time these teams are coming together, um, and despite looking evenly matched over the past two seasons, uh, you could argue that both of the previous finals were determined by more of an external factor. Uh, in 2015, the injuries to the Cavs, Kyrie and, and Kevin Love missing uh, all but one of the, of those games in the NBA Finals. Kevin Love missed all of them uh, in, in the finals, tipping that uh, the, the outcome in favor of the Warriors. Uh, you could argue last year that uh, if Draymond Green wasn't suspended for, for Game 5, the Cavs would have lost 4-1 to one, 
uh, in the NBA Finals. So, you know, his suspension tipped uh, the finals in favor of the Cavaliers. Do you think, Chris, that this being the rubber match, this, the, the NBA Finals series between these two teams tied at 1-1, uh, the, the winner of this series gets to kind of say, hey, uh, if Kevin Love were healthy and Kyrie were healthy, the Cavs would be 3-0 and against you guys. Or uh, for the Warriors, hey, if Draymond Green played that game five, uh, we would be 3-0 and against the Cavaliers. Do you think the winner of this uh, round of Cavs-Warriors gets to rewrite history a little bit? Well, I don't know if the teams themselves will, but I definitely think the fans will. Uh, I certainly think whoever wins this series and wins 2-1, to one, um, because going in, Draymond Green doesn't have a million technical or flagrant points, so I don't think he's in danger of getting suspended unless he does something extremely outlandish. Um, and then on the other side, uh, let's knock on wood here, but it sound, looks like everyone on both teams is healthy. So I don't think there are very many excuses going in. Now, obviously, things can happen. Hopefully, they don't. I, I want both teams to be healthy, so that way we don't have to play these what-if games. But, but yeah, I do think that the winner of this series is going to rewrite history and say, well, we've got two, and if we had our guys in 2015, we would have won. Or if you're the Warriors, yeah, well, we've got two, and if Draymond Green wasn't such a knucklehead, we would have won. And, and, and you know what? It may have happened because all uh, people don't talk about that game five. It wasn't just Draymond Green not being there, but because they didn't win in five, they lost Andrew Bogut for the rest of the season. And I, I do think that that changed things in game six and seven as well. So there are some arguments you can make, but let's just reel it back for a minute and say this. The Golden State Warriors have shown that they can humiliate the Cavs even when they're at full strength. And the Cleveland Cavaliers have shown that they can beat the Golden State Warriors consistently when they're at full strength. So I don't necessarily think it's fair to either team for someone to say, well, if we had all our guys, we would have won this series. Because you still got to play the game with all your guys. And both teams have shown that they can win when the other team's having a at their full strength. So I don't necessarily think that... If either thing had happened, it would have changed the outcome. It certainly would have changed the way the games were played because you game plan differently. But I can't say definitively that it would have changed the outcome. But there is no doubt in my mind that whoever wins this series is going to brag, brag, brag to the other fan base about the one that got away. So, so yes, I do think that that is going to be a dynamic once the, the dust is settled. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, if the Cavs win, I'm certainly going to brag and, and you know talk up that 2015 as a fluke. Um, but it, it's hard for me to think about that, and I know that you know fans in general and the media and history is not going to think of it like this. But the Warriors added Kevin Durant in the off season. Like this is not the same Warriors team of the past two years. They added one of the best players in the league. It, it's hard for me to like. You know the Cavs are, are have to be an underdog. I mean, I know they are uh, in terms of Vegas, but you have to look at this like the the Cavs are 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 outgunned in this matchup just because of the history between these two teams and the Warriors adding Durant. It's hard for me to to look back in those previous two years as the same Warriors team when they went out and added an MVP in his prime. It's just it's a it's uncharted territory, I guess. 
and that is a fair point. Now, now I do not think the Cavs have. Someone said there there are charts out there saying the Cavs only have a ten percent chance at winning. I think that's utterly ridiculous. The Cavs have a way a very good chance of winning this series. I think it's going to be an intense, close series. But you're absolutely right. They went out and added the second best player, consensus second best player in the NBA in Kevin Durant to a team that already had arguably three top ten, no worse than three top twelve players in the league to it. So you're absolutely right. This is a different Golden State Warriors team. This is a better Golden State Warriors team, despite the fact that they only won 67 games compared to 73. And I can't believe I just used only 67 games in the same sentence because that's an all-time pace. So you're absolutely right. This is a better Golden State Warriors team. The Warriors significantly improved compared to the Cavs in the offseason. But I disagree with them being severely outgunned. I I don't think the Cavs are severely outgunned. I certainly think the Warriors on paper should be favored. They have home court, and they do have more star players. But the Cavs are still really good on the top two, and they have the depth this year, unlike the Warriors. I think it's more a 55-45, 60-40 split. Certainly would favor the Warriors going in. But I'm not. I'm going to give the Cavs a lot more credit than most people are. And, and when I say most people, I mean the odds makers and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean I I believe in in this team absolutely. But um, just kind of looking at it on paper, it's hard to not get overwhelmed with what the Cavs are facing because it's it's the Warriors are definitely a juggernaut in, in any sense uh, of the word. Um, well, Chris, it, it's time to make a pick. Uh, we've done. We've picked the NBA Finals. This will be the third finals that we're predicting, uh, and it's you know we we we've seen these two teams go head to head in previous two finals. Uh, who 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 are you picking uh, for Cavs Warriors round three? I can't bail on a preseason pick at the finish line, especially when I don't have a reason to. Cavs in six, I, and that's no disrespect to the Warriors. It easily could go seven, but I think that when you're the lower seed and you don't have home court it is easier to win in six than it is in seven. I think they will split, split, Cavs steal game five, and win in six. Yeah, um, I, I'm torn between that or, or Warriors in seven. Um, and just the I, – I do think the Cavs are uh, severe underdogs in this. Uh, I, I To make a rational pick, I, I, I have to go with Warriors in seven. Come on, Bob. You're going to regret that, I think. I think you're going to regret that. I'm not. Don't bet against I, the king, Why man. would I regret it? <laughs> if if the Cavs win, I'll be the happiest dude on the on in in Tennessee. Yeah, but then you'll be like, oh man, I should have picked the Cavs. No, I won't. Deep down, you'll deep down you'll be like, oh man, I should have picked the Cavs. No, I, I if the Cavs win, I will. The, the last thing I'll think is, man, I really should have picked them. I I will not care one bit. Okay. I, I, I do believe in the Cavs, though. I, I think they will win this series. Um, but it's going to be tough. I, I don't see how anyone can pick this series with any com- any sort of confidence. I, I mean, look, I'm picking the Cavs. I believe in the team. I'm not overconfident here. I certainly think the Warriors could win this series. I'm not I'm not just about to. I'm not. It's not like in the Eastern Conference when I was picking sweeps for the Cavs every single round. I mean, I do think this is going to be an epic series. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing that we kind of – maybe glossed over uh is you know if the Cavs were composed of any other group of stars not LeBron James I would feel a lot worse about this series but 
the fact that Cavs have LeBron and he has been so dominant in this postseason, the past two postseasons against the Warriors, uh, it's the great equalizer. So, you know, it's hard to bet against him when he has been so fantastic in the previous two finals. Um, That is the main reason why I have, uh, I still believe that the Cavs have a chance to win this series. Is LeBron almost worth two superstars at this point? Like, can you say the Cavs have the big four because it's LeBron, LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin? <laughs> Pretty much. I, I, I would say so. I mean, he, 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 he wipes a lot of things out on the other side. It really is amazing to watch him play. Look, I, you don't have to like him, but you got to at least appreciate the fact that this guy is like nothing we've ever seen before. Who cares if he's better than Michael Jordan or whoever Let's seriously just appreciate the fact that this guy, what he's doing, and I'm not saying if you're a Warriors fan, cheer for him, but this is this is rare stuff that you're going to witness here, and, and, and there's not many more years left. He is getting up there. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, that's a good transition to you know Game Five, Boston Celtics. Uh, we talked a lot about legacy, uh, especially with LeBron. Um, LeBron passed Michael Jordan for. Uh, most career playoff points uh, overall, um, Chris. What 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 does that mark mean in terms of LeBron's legacy? And also, you know, we just talked about appreciating LeBron, even if you're not a, a Cavs fan. But I, I found it interesting that the, the Celtics, whatever happened in that arena, they didn't. I don't think they put that up on the board when he did it. And I found that a little bit odd that that they would that they wouldn't acknowledge that during the game, especially since that had no rele- relevance to, to the Celtics, you know, at that point they're getting run out, out of the building by LeBron again. Um, so w- w- what does this mean for LeBron's legacy? Yeah. First to the Celtics point, I, I, I'd have to, I'd want to see the history of, of visiting teams, acknowledging another player's great accomplishments. I, I'm not going to bash the Celtics until I know if there's precedent or not. Uh, but, but to answer your question, I mean, it's huge. Anytime you pass Michael Jordan in any statistical feat, it's huge. Because Michael Jordan is the ghost LeBron James is chasing. It's the ghost Kobe Bryant was chasing. Uh, this guy has been viewed as the best player to ever play basketball since he retired. And anytime you can move ahead of him in any statistical measure, especially when it's all-time playoff scoring, a big one like that, it's a huge deal for LeBron's legacy. So, yes, I think that this just – look, you can debate LeBron and Michael, whatever – I, I think most people at this point would have LeBron, if not in their top five all time, very well close to it. So the man is building a legacy, and if he adds a fourth championship to it, things are going to get real interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think when the dust has settled, he's pretty much going to have every record that Jordan had minus those six titles. I think it's going to be hard for him to get to six at this point in his career, but uh, he, he's going to shatter every other record that, that Michael Jordan once had. You know, let's forget about Michael Jordan for a second. Let's talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record. That's a record that a lot of people have been chasing and fell short of. LeBron has a legitimate shot at passing that. And if he were to yeah. break that record, that would be an ultimate legacy builder. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, well, moving on a little bit out uh, to some news associated with the Cavs. Uh, the Magic hired Jeff Weltman as president of basketball operations. Um, Chris, you know, there were reports that the Magic were coveting David Griffin and were going to make a run at him really hard once he was available to negotiate with in, in the offseason. Is this a sign that the Cavs are uh, 
or, or that David Griffin wasn't interested at least uh, with that magic job. Well, well, it's a good sign that if Orlando Magic were interested in him, their interest obviously is over. Uh, it's a bad sign that now you're getting reports saying the Milwaukee Bucks, who lost Jeff Weltman, might be interested in hiring David Griffin. So, um, hopefully, the Cavs get this done. We talked about this on on our on a previous episode. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous that the contract situation has has lasted this long. Uh, I don't understand what David Griffin could have done better to, you know, get this team in a better position. Uh, to win another championship the guy's been outstanding and I certainly just think he deserves uh, to have a contract so hopefully uh, they're negotiating behind the scenes and some good news will come out of Cleveland uh, in the next couple of weeks if not early in the offseason yeah for sure uh, I, I don't see how the Cavs could, could let him go that that would be a, a, a big black eye uh, in, in the middle of this three straight NBA finals appearances for them so yeah definitely want them to get a deal done with David Griffin um Moving to uh, some baseball news, Corey Kluber uh, looks like he's ready to go, set to to make a start uh, later this week. Uh, had a dominant appearance uh, in Double A, forty seven pitches, five scoreless innings, just one hit. Uh, Chris, that that's good news, and I guess we're getting some news on how the rotation is going to take shape as well, right? Yeah, certainly. First off, you got to feel bad for those Double A players facing Corey Kluber down there, man. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> That's just that's almost not fair. But it looks like Kluber's back, reprogrammed everything. He will start Thursday, the noon game this week. And words word is that Danny Salazar is gonna be the guy going to the bullpen, not Tomlin or Bauer, and Clevenger is not gonna get sent back down. So Bob, that's that's kind of a curveball, not to use the baseball pun there. Yeah, it it, it is. Uh, it's not what we expected, um, but you know the numbers show that Danny Salazar is having no worse a year than than Trevor Bauer or Josh Tomlin. Um, so when you think about it a, a little bit in depth and, and kind of long term, you know Josh Tomlin is not going to be an effective bullpen pitcher. Uh, he he just throws too soft and, and has never really you know. At that age, I don't think uh, he would be a, a good fit to move to the bullpen. Um, Trevor Bauer, I think that they're just saying Trevor Bauer is going to do whatever he he is going to do. Danny Salazar, we need to fix what's going on with him because he can be consistent. He can be dominant. Maybe going into the bullpen and you know working on some of his mechanics, gaining some confidence, uh, will make him better uh, later this year to re-enter that rotation. Oh, yeah, you said it best. I mean, let's just look at ERA right here. Danny Salazar, 550. Josh Tomlin, 579. Trevor Bauer, 630. Not exactly lighting it up. Mike Leminger, I know it's only a five-game sample size, uh, but he does have a 282 ERA and a 1.16 whip. So he is pitching like the third starter right now, despite what Danny Salazar, the titles Danny Salazar had going into this year. Uh, Mike Clevenger has come up and said, hey, you know, you got to make a decision. And I just don't think the Indians can afford to lose this guy right now because they absolutely need to have a more solidified rotation than what they're getting. Uh, it's going to be nice to surround uh, Carlos Carrasco with Corey Kluber and Mike Clevenger, uh, some more consistent arms in that rotation. And yes, I really hope Salazar can get straightened out because they absolutely need Salazar to pitch at his full potential. If they have Clevenger pitching the way he is and Salazar can get straight, the rotation could turn really nicely in these next four months but uh right now it's it's certainly easily the uh, biggest weakness of this team right now 
yeah, uh, surprisingly, uh, the the, uh, the biggest weakness of the team, that definitely. Um, but it, it looks like things are uh, on the up and up with Kluber, you know, coming back so quickly. Uh, you know, Salazar, they, they, it, obviously, they're not giving up on him. I think that it's a could could be a, a very smart, productive move putting him in the bullpen for a little bit. So yeah, um, hopefully they write that shit. I certainly don't think Salazar is long for the bullpen especially if Tomlin and Bauer continue to struggle the way they are. And, and who knows, maybe Clevenger will hit a sophomore slump and, and they could always send him back down to Columbus. But but I, I like that they, they have uh, confidently you know stayed behind Clevenger after pitching very well uh, this last month. Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, time for uh, your fake headline. What do you have? We haven't done it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we haven't done it in a while, but my fake headline actually has a good shot at becoming reality. I want Corey Kluber to come up on Thursday and just mow down the Oakland A's and show everyone that he's back and the Aces back on track for the Cleveland Indians because uh, you know he's been missed in this rotation the last month. I, I, I like that. Uh, definitely can't argue with that. I'm uh, going for something that's happening on Thursday as well. I, I want the Cavs to steal game one in Golden State. Uh, I think that would be a huge confident boost. And with the massive break that the Warriors had, it, it might be a possibility for them to to uh, sneak one out in, in game one against them. Cavs were also off a week too. so They, yeah, they but both, both kind of had a ton of rust. You're, you're right. It was not as long. It's not as long. I mean, and yeah, it, I I don't know. The the Warriors also romped through San Antonio without Kawhi Leonard for their previous three games as well. I don't think they're used to a, a real team. <laughs> True, but would you argue anyone in the East was a real team either? I, I'm just I, I'm not trying to rain on your fake headline. That would be an amazing fake headline. If it, I hope it's a real headline on Friday. Yep. No, me too. All righty, Matt. Well, hopefully next week we're talking about the Cavs with a 2-0 lead, not just a 1-1 tie, but that might be a bit of a stretch. Either way, hopefully the Cavs can pick up a win in one of these first two games so we have some good news to talk about next week. But until then, please enjoy the Cleveland Cavaliers, your Memorial Day holiday, a four-game homestand against the Oakland A's, and all the Cleveland sports you can soak in. Uh, until we come back on the air with another episode of Clee Talk, you can subscribe to our podcast via FenleyRoadSports.com. Just click the icon in the upper right corner, hit subscribe, or you can search Fenley Road Sports on iTunes and click Clee Talk. It's just that simple. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Fenley Road Sports. We thank you for your support, and we will be back every single week with another episode of Clee Talk where we talk all the Cleveland sports we possibly can in about an hour. But until then... Go Cavs. Let's go up 2-0. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Cavs. Take it easy, Bob.